They're crazy, they're zany, and just plain nuts, but they love Jesus. America's Keswick and all of you. Here are the hosts of the Bob and Bill podcast, Robert Hayes and Bill Wilson. Well, hello, Bob. Hey, Bill. How are you? I'm good. This is episode 30. I 30. can't believe we've done 30 episodes of the Bob and Bill podcast. Time flies. Time flies when we're having fun. Same old, same old. I'll be so glad, you know, we got to wear those wonderful masks, but that's okay. It's yes. part of the new normal. Part of our new wardrobe. Yes. It, w- this color goes with everything. You, right. have, you have the same one, right? Uh, today I do, I yes. But I took mine off and it's over here. That's good. So I'm excited because you're going to do a piano solo for our folks today. Near and to it, the Heart of God. And it's off of your CD? Yes. Near which, to the Heart of God, which you're going to have available yes, this, summer, this summer, which I'm really excited about. So <laughs> after Robert plays, Dr. Tony Hart has been one of our conference speakers these last couple of years. He's the pastor at Monco Bible Fellowship in Pennsylvania, and uh, he was a speaker last summer, and he did a study in the book of 1 Thessalonians, which is kind of cool because it's very fitting to all the things that we see happening in our world right now. So why don't you play, and then we're going to enjoy the teaching ministry of Dr. Tony Hart. Thank you. 
Well, good morning. I trust that everybody had a, a good sleep so that you don't have to sleep now. <laughs> and uh, I have to say, I am praising the Lord today that I can read my Bible. And uh, the first time I've ever had to, the, to preach when I couldn't even see my Bible in front of me. But uh, it's great to be able to, to share what God has to say. You know, I've heard a couple of people that have mentioned to me that this passage is, uh, has some tough things in it. And uh, yeah, it's true, but they're very practical. And I think that even when we think about what uh, these verses are saying to us, uh, that there is some encouragement that's there. And so I trust that you'll be not only challenged today, but you'll be encouraged as we continue to look through 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 18 today as uh, the Lord leads. So let's pray and ask for his help. Heavenly Father, again, we bow before you. We ask that you would cause the text to come alive in our hearts. Lord, encourage us with the challenge that we have in front of us to be ready for you when you return. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I mentioned yesterday that, that you know, when I was young, coming up in the 60s and 70s, uh, those watch night services and those old uh, Christians that were in the church, they seemed to have that sense of urgency about the Lord's coming back. Uh, there was that sense of urgency. There were a lot of prophecy conferences going on and, and uh, a lot of discussions, some of the, the movies that were made at the time about the Lord's coming back. And there just seemed to be a lot more attention and focus on the coming of the Lord, which I think over the last several years, We've sort of lost and we have lost that urgency in our lives to make sure that every day counts, to make sure that that what we are doing is pleasing to him. And so uh, we we need to we need to get back to some of these principles. Paul wants us to see that there are some things that we need to put into practice in order to be ready for his coming back. Now, if you remember yesterday, I said that some of these things that we put into practice are like riding a bike or driving a car. And so we need to, first of all, we need to learn the rules of the road. Remember that? Uh, and we need, to, we need to also steer our vehicle by love. Uh, we need to be patient with the other drivers that are around us. And so there are a lot of things that, that parallel our uh, navigating through life with driving a car or riding a bike. Well, I don't want to press that metaphor too far as we move in through the text, but Paul does continue his instructions to us not to be legalistic, not to give us a list of rules and regulations that we're to do. This is not for salvation uh, this is not for our relationship with God. We talked about the difference between relationship and fellowship. And so we're not talking about our relationship with God. It's not based on what we do or don't do, but, but it does impact our fellowship with God. It does impact our fellowship with each other. 
it does impact the readiness of the church to be ready when Christ comes. And so let's take a look at some of these individual things and see how God challenges us in our lives. The first thing I want you to notice in verse 15 is that he says in verse 15, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. Wow. One of the common beliefs in our secular society is that what goes around comes around. You've heard that before, right? Well, the problem is that we've taken that to the sense that we have adopted the role of being cosmic police to make sure that what goes around comes around. And we have taken it upon ourselves to make sure that people get their upcomings, that they get what's due them. And uh, we want to make sure that those who do evil in our eyes get back the evil that they deserve. But scripture reminds us that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so it's not our job to police the universe. It's not our job to make sure that everyone gets the judgment that's due to them. Uh, But in fact, our job is the exact opposite. What does the text say? Render good for evil. Our job then is is to make sure that we bless those who persecute us. Our job is to love our enemies. If anybody steals your coat, give them your shirt too. Our job is to turn around and do good to people who are trying to harm us. Now, that runs totally counter to everything that we think is normal. You know, Todd Weir tells a story of when he was in high school, a friend of his was raped. And he just had it in his mind that if he knew who it was that did that, he was going to let him have it. He wanted to inflict the same pain on him that he inflicted on his friend who was raped. But you know, the fact of the matter is that no matter how much pain he could inflict, it would never ease the pain of his friend. It wouldn't solve a thing. As a matter of fact, it would only hurt him. And so, and so we need to understand that, that just rendering evil for evil doesn't solve any problems. It never makes you feel any better. Uh, the fact is that, uh, that it gets to be like a demolition derby. Have you ever seen a demolition derby? <laughs> I remember back in the, when I was younger, they used to have like that ABC Wild World of Sports and stuff on Saturday afternoon and they would have those uh, demolition derbies that, that, you know, and all the cars come in and they're trying to smash each other up. And uh, at the end of the, the derby, only one car is still running. And that's all banged up and barely running. Well, sometimes our marriages end up looking like demolition derbies. Don't say Amen. <laughs> 
and we get back at each other and we can tear each other apart and rip each other down until even the one that's standing at the end is all beaten and tattered. Sometimes our extended families can look like demolition derbies. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Sometimes our churches can look like demolition derbies. And when we have the attitude that we are some kind of cosmic police that are going to make sure that they get their payback and there are other people who have that same idea, we can come at each other and we can tear each other apart and rip each other down. And isn't that what happens far too often? Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica, that uh, if we're going to be ready for when Christ comes back, we can't afford to have our families and our churches and our relationships look like a demolition derby. In fact, what he said earlier is we need to be patient with each other. We need to be helping up those that are weak. We need to be working with those that are struggling. Those that persecute you and those that, that harm you, you need to be trying to, to help them and build them up. You know, um, in 1984, my younger brother was killed. He and his wife were both murdered brutally in their home. And um, the, the guy who did it, I'll say his name, Bob Wharton, it was actually two guys, but he was the lead guy. He's been now for like 35 years in, on death row. But do you know with our legal system that there is appeal after appeal after appeal, and 35 years later, they're still appealing. There's always something to appeal. And... Uh, and I was thinking as I was preparing this message a while back, I was thinking to myself, you know what, if he ever got out, if he ever won one of his appeals, which I, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, but, but if that ever happened, would I be willing to extend forgiveness to him? Would I be willing to bless him? Would I be willing to give him a ride? That's a challenge to me. I'm talking about, you know, sometimes when you preach, you have to preach to yourself. But when we talk about rendering good for evil, blessing those who harm you, that's a real challenge that God puts to every last one of us. And you might not have a Bob Wharton in your life, but I can tell you there's somebody who you feel has upset you or has not done you right or has, has, you know, talked about you, or stabbed you in the back, or gossiped about you, and we need to have the attitude that we're going to bless them and do good to them rather than evil. Amen? Amen. All right. There's something else that he says. Look at verse 16. It's a real short verse. You know, it's not the shortest verse. Jesus wept is still shorter. But uh, he says, rejoice always in verse 16. 
be ready also means that we need to learn to live in a state of joy. Now, the word rejoice is just simply a word that means to experience joy. It's a, it's a verb that means that, that we are to have joy in our lives. And so what we need to do is we need to start out with a definition of what joy is. So let me write this down. Let me give you a Tony Hart definition of joy. Joy is simply a supernatural sense of fulfillment and satisfaction given to us by the Holy Spirit that comes to us when we know that we are where God wants us to be and doing what God wants us to do. Did you get that? It's not something you conjure up in yourself. It's a gift given to us by the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. It's not based on your circumstances. It's given to us when we know that we are where God wants us to be and doing what God wants us to do. Now, let me draw a distinction here. I think this is important that we understand that joy is not happiness. Somebody work with me now. There's a big difference between the joy of the Lord and happiness. Happiness is fleeting. I like to think of happiness like a vapor. You know, you get it for a little while and and then it's gone. And uh, happiness is based on what's going on around you. Happiness is based on your circumstance. You can be happy today and then something tragic happens and, and all your happiness is gone. And what the devil does is he raises this idea of happiness before Christians so that we, he has us running in circles chasing happiness, which is a fleeting idea. Do you know that there are Christians that walk away from marriages chasing happiness? We leave jobs chasing happiness. We walk away from churches chasing happiness. It's like a vapor. And all the devil has to know is that you prioritize being happy in your life and he'll have you running in circles like a rat on a maze. Happiness is not the goal. But the joy of the Lord should be our goal. It's what God gives us, that sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that comes when we know that we are doing what God wants us to do and we're where God wants us to be. Now, the best example in Scripture of that is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, think about that. If he was coming to one of us for advice, most American Christians would say something to Paul like this. Paul, I don't think you're you're where God wants you to be. After all, doesn't God want you to be happy? I think you need to come on back to Antioch. They're throwing stones at you. They're kicking you out of town. You're having all these problems. That can't be God's will for your life. Isn't that true? We would advise him, come on back home. But I'm grateful that Paul understood that happiness was not his goal His goal was that he wanted to be where God wanted him to be 
and doing what God called him to do. And even though sometimes it was with tears in his eyes, sometimes it was with pain in his body, sometimes it was with no money in his pocket, but Paul was doing what God called him to do. And he had that sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that I pray all of us have an opportunity to experience. And so, you know, one of the great idols in America today is this idol of happiness. And I want to charge you and challenge you, don't chase happiness, but rejoice in everything. Experience the joy of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Learn to pray without ceasing. Look at verse 17. Learn to pray without ceasing. Now, it's, it's actually an easier skill to develop to pray without ceasing um, than, than some of these other things for us that God wants us to do. And, and yet, it's so often neglected in our lives. To pray without ceasing does not mean that you go through the day with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Um, nobody would want to drive that way. Uh, we, need to, we need to make sure that, that we understand what he means by praying without ceasing. It means that we recognize the constant presence of God and we maintain communication with him. It means that we live our lives um, uh, in this constant awareness of the presence of God around us. We live our lives so often distracted by so much and so many things that we neglect to recognize the presence of God, that he's right here with us. No matter what you're going through, he's right there with us. Uh, you know, to understand the, the praying without ceasing, one of the best illustrations that I thought of, and I've heard other people share this as well, is uh, when I get up in the morning, and I turn to my wife and I say, good morning, Carol. And uh, she says, good morning. And we establish communication and we start to talk. Well, if she walks into the bathroom and comes back out, I don't need to start a whole new salutation to continue the conversation. Are you with me? If she goes down to the kitchen and I'm upstairs, I can go down and I can continue a conversation with her. It doesn't require a whole new opening and prayer. And I think that that's where we need to understand that the presence of God, once the communication has been established, he'll never leave you. He doesn't walk away from you. He doesn't, he doesn't shut you out. He's always listening, and we can continue the conversation. I like that. And so we need to, we need to have that awareness throughout the whole day, because how many of you know that we need God's guidance? We need him every step of the way. You know, uh, you know that I had to run in and get my glasses yesterday, right? And... Um, so coming back, I have OnStar 
for uh, my guidance in my car and I hit the button and the lady, can I help you? And I, you know, yeah, can you get me navigation to Keswick in Whiting, New Jersey? And uh, then I was like put on hold. And I got this recording that says, uh, you know, there are many other people trying to get uh, help. Just be patient and wait and we'll get to you as soon as we can. Meanwhile, like I didn't, I didn't call them right when I was leaving the house because I knew I could get in the Jersey and I got off at exit seven of the Jersey Turnpike and I was headed down 206 and, and coming in that way. And, uh, but I needed, from that point, I needed some navigation through all of the turns and stuff coming in here. And uh, then all of a sudden, I got disconnected. I said, oh, no, I'm in trouble now. So I called again. Somebody else came on. And another recording, uh, you know, we're very busy right now, but uh, we'll get to you. Just wait. And... Uh, and I'm driving, I'm saying, well, you know, I hope they get to me quick before <laughs> I miss a turn. And again, I was disconnected. So on my phone, which I do have turned off, <laughs> I, <laughs> on my phone, I pulled up, uh, anybody know about Waze? So I pulled up ways. I said, you know, I can't bank on this. OnStar is playing games with me today. I need to know that, uh, that I can get some directions where I'm going. And so I was following ways until uh, I could get myself through. But the point of the story is that sometimes we can't count on the connections that we depend on to get us through. I'm here to tell you that God will never put you on hold. He will never disconnect. He will always be there. He doesn't go to sleep. He doesn't tune you out. He's always available, and we can always just turn to him and talk to him. And we need to make sure that we take advantage of that. There's, there's another um, example that I, that I have, and that is, anybody here um, familiar with XM Radio? Well, XM radio is the most frustrating thing. It's a blessing when you're out of your area and you don't know what stations and stuff are there. You can always find, you know, what you want to listen to on XM. But it's a satellite radio. And so because it's based on satellite, there has to be a line of sight uh, for between your vehicle and the satellite. And sometimes you're just driving by tall trees or a tall building or going under a tunnel or something like that, and you lose the connection. And it's the most frustrating thing when you're listening to your favorite sports event, and it's like fourth and one, <laughs> or the bottom of the ninth, like last night, yeah. Bryce Harper was up and hit a home run. But uh, right at the point when you want to hear it, and all of a sudden it cuts off. But I'm glad that Jesus is always on the line. He never disconnects. Amen? Isn't it a blessing? And so we need to take advantage of that. If he's always there, we need to always be there. 
We need to make sure that we're in constant contact with him. I don't know about you, but I need his guidance. I need his support. I need, that's why I value the prayers of the saints as I run around and do what God has called me to do. I need to know that he's always just a call away. And we need to always be in prayer with him. And so to be ready when Christ returns means that we need to learn the skill of being in constant contact with God. But also look at verse 18. At verse 18, he says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We need to learn to be ready to give thanks in everything. You know, there are some circumstances and some people that we find hard to give thanks for. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday who was enumerating a number of things that he had gone through, and it's difficult to give thanks when, when you're going through problems and difficulties, whether it's physical ailments or family situations or broken relationships. It's hard to give thanks in everything. Am I the only one? It's a struggle sometimes for us to give thanks for all the individual things that happen in our lives. The the problem is that we are nearsighted, and so we can't see the whole picture that God sees. And we don't see how that little piece of the picture fits into the whole frame and what God is trying to do. And we don't have enough faith in a sovereign God to trust him with the pain and to trust him with the issues that we have to navigate through. And so when we experience painful situations and we can't see how it could lead to any good, it's hard for us to be thankful. In fact, it should be an alarm that goes off in our minds and in our heads that when you find it hard to give thanks for something, that should be a signal that you're losing track of that sovereign God in heaven. Should be a warning sign. Now, if I went around up and down the pews, I bet you that there are things in every last one of our lives that we find it difficult to give thanks for. And the challenge when you have those situations is to ask yourself, well, is God a bigger God than that? Is he a greater God than that? And and allow our trust in him to take over. Most of us have heard that perfect illustration. I don't know if, um, you know, out here in New Jersey, what illustrations you hear. But, uh, But there's a pretty common illustration that makes this point. Um, And it has to do with uh, a chef. You know, when you take all the individual ingredients, uh, most of the individual ingredients are not tasting very good. I mean, who enjoys eating a raw egg? If you took us a wab, a slab of butter, you probably wouldn't put that in your mouth and enjoy it. A scoop of flour all by itself is not a very pleasant thing to eat. Are you with me? 
But oh, when you put all those individual pieces in the hands of a chef who knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. When, 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 when the chef takes all that and in the right proportion stirs it all together and, and puts it together in a way that only he can do, then, then even though it has to go into the oven and experience the heat that we don't like, uh, it comes out and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I want to suggest to you that that's the way life is. You might not enjoy the physical issue that you have to endure. You might not uh, be able to give thanks for those broken issues in your family, the struggles in your relationships, the issues that you have to go through in your church. You might not be able to give thanks for all the problems that you face, whether they're financial or emotional. But what I suggest is that you give all those individual things to a chef who knows what he's doing. Give them to God and watch him go to work. And we serve a God who can whip up a sweet dessert (laughs) with all the mess that we find it hard to give thanks for. Amen? Amen. And with that kind of faith and that kind of confidence, it allows us to give thanks for everything. There is nothing in your life, nothing that you're going through that God can't handle. And so I want to challenge you that we're to give thanks in everything. We can give thanks even before we see the cake that God is baking for us. We can give thanks because we understand who he is. We have confidence in him. We can give thanks in everything. And so being ready means that we're able to give thanks even uh, based on the confidence that we have in God. Now, let me close this way because um, I actually, I have five messages in this chapter, and I'm only going to be able to share four with you. But the way I want to, I don't want you to miss the point, and I'll rehearse it again tomorrow. Uh, He ends this chapter with a prayer, starting in verse 23. He says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the message that I'm not going to be able to share with you is a message that I've entitled, Won't He Do It? Won't He Do It? You see, we can look at all these individual things and they're hard for us to do. And as a matter of fact, we can't do any of this stuff on our own. We'll fall on our face every time. Without the help of the Holy Spirit in us, we will continue to fail. But what he's promising and what Paul is praying for these these believers is that God will sanctify you. God will work it out in your life. God will present you blameless before the Father. God is going to be the one who can make it happen for you. Won't he do it? He will do it every single time he'll do it. And not just the things that we talked about yesterday, 
the things that we talk about today, but also the things that we talk about tomorrow, God is going to work it out and we can give him praise. Somebody praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the sovereign God of the universe. We thank you that you are in complete control. Even though our kitchens look messy, Lord, you know where everything belongs. And we thank you that you will work it out in our lives. So, Lord, help us. Help us in each of these areas to see you Make it happen in our lives. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this has been a fun episode. And uh, I really, really appreciate the ministry of Tony Hart. And I think I really appreciate him because there's a long line of hearts Mm -hmm. that came to America's Keswick. Uh, Tony's dad, Dr. B. Sam Hart, who was the founder of the Grand Old Gospel Fellowship, spoke here. And his uncle Charles. Wow spoke here. So to have these two generations of great preachers here at America's Keswick has been a lot of fun. So we're getting close to starting our summer season. That's correct. What's summer going to look like? Summer is going to look different. And in some respects, we're not totally sure what it will look like, but we are working diligently to prepare a fun summer. Uh, A lot of fun activities for uh, kids and, and teens, despite the fact that we aren't necessarily having ministry. Uh, specifically for them, but a lot of fun activities are slip and slide, of course, is the highlight of the week, and then other activities that will be similar to that, mostly outdoor activities that will be safe, non-contact type sports, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Great preaching, obviously great music, so I want to encourage you to call 1-800-453-7942 or visit our website www.americaskeswick.org for our summer brochure. I can tell you this, that week one is sold out, awesome. which is really, really cool. Yeah. But we have room on weeks two, three, four, maybe a little bit on five. <laughs> so again, it's going to be different, but we're real excited to see what God's going to do this summer. We appreciate you watching the podcast. Share the link with a friend. And remember that America's Keswick depends on friends just like you to support the ministry with your gifts and with your prayers. To give a gift, one 800 453 7942, or you can donate now on our website, www.americaskeswick.org. Well, Bob, you can take a nap now. Oh, awesome. I'm looking forward to that. We'll see you Friday. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let us know. Write us at bewealthy at americaskeswick.org, or it'll be in the description below. If you'd like to learn more information about America's Keswick, you can visit our website at www.americaskeswick.org. Join us every Wednesday and Friday at 2.30 for the next edition of the podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Tyler. And have a good and godly day.